You're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Insulin pumps have helped to revolutionize diabetes management. What do you and your patients need to know about these pumps? Welcome to our special series, Focus on Diabetes. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, your host, and with me today is Sue Iwasa. Sue became fascinated by children admitted with type 1 diabetes working at a medical center in the late 70s. Determined to learn more about the disease and its management, she enrolled in diabetes education classes and was on her way to becoming a diabetes educator. In 1982, Sue traveled to Africa to serve on a medical mission. While living there, she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes herself. She had successfully managed her own diabetes for 24 years while helping to train and educate others to do the same. She started using an insulin pump seven years ago and is now the lead pump trainer at Humphreys Diabetes Center, a freestanding not-for-profit regional diabetes center in Boise, Idaho. Welcome to ReachMD. Thank you. Sue, your, your personal story is inspirational. Does it help you in your work as a diabetes educator? You know, it does. A little-known fact for me doing teaching for other people like me who have diabetes is that I gain so much from their stories and their challenges that they live with in managing their diabetes. I bet, and I'm sure that you get instant credibility from them as well. You know, it is. Most times I will go ahead and let them know that they are talking to someone who really does know what it's like to live with diabetes. Now, switching to insulin pumps, why do you think they've become so popular? Ah, because we Americans, we love our freedom and our flexibility. And that's exactly what an insulin pump will give you. So it's kind of like having a car as opposed to being stuck to the bus schedule? That is a great analogy. Hopefully insulin pumps aren't bad for the environment, though, right? Sometimes when you're starting to learn insulin pump therapy, you do feel a little bit wasteful because there are some medical gadgets that you have to get rid of. What do you have to get rid of? Well, you have to use a not only just the insulin pump, which is really just a small programmable battery-powered device that delivers insulin. And then what you have is you have a, a long, thin, flexible tubing that has a catheter that's inserted into the same tissue space that people would be injecting insulin. So there's a bit more stuff that has to go into the environment. So what is the the ideal patient for an insulin pump? The ideal patient, you might be surprised because people that have accepted their diabetes, I always think of that first because if a person is struggling with their diabetes because they really, really hate having diabetes, Sometimes they think, oh, if I just get a pump on, my worries will be over. Mm-hmm. Truly has to be someone who understands that diabetes is something that they need to continue to manage because then your focus, once you get on a pump, is to make that insulin pump flow your insulin for your daily needs. And so, of course, that can be done at a higher 
level of management. So certainly they have to be willing and accept their illness. What about in terms of medical condition? Is this only for type 1 diabetics? You know, good question again, because traditionally, of course, people with type 1 are dependent upon insulin. And so traditionally, it has always been people with type 1 diabetes that are first on the list for an insulin pump. However, because of the evolving nature of what we have in our community and nationwide is people with type 2 diabetes that may be requiring insulin to manage their diabetes. So the times are changing as far as you can have type 1, type 2, be a little kid with type 1 or even an adolescent that has type 2 diabetes but needs to have that quality of life heightened because that they can manipulate an insulin pump for that insulin flow. So you can have these in children? Yes. Insulin pump therapy for probably about the last decade has become an evolving trend. Most kids that go to summer camps are now using insulin pumps. Now, what do you find are the biggest misconceptions about the pumps, both from physicians and from the patients? You know, some patients will come in and they think that they're not going to have to check their blood sugars anymore. Or, again, on the patient side, I can eat whenever I want, and I can eat as much as I want. And, oh, boy, I tell you, through personal experience, when I first put my pump on seven years ago, I did. I got a little wild on the freedom side, and guess what happened to me? I gained weight. So you really still need to mind your P's and Q's about living a very good, healthy life. And then medical providers that may feel that, well, any patient can use a pump, And maybe they don't need to, we don't really need to focus on that meal planning. Again, providers may not think it's very useful in type 2 diabetes or that it's too expensive or most of their patients uh, would be too complicated for their diabetic population. If you're just joining the discussion, you're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, and with me today is certified diabetes educator Sue Iwasa. We are discussing insulin pumps. Now, Sue, so a lot of misconceptions about it. What do you hear the most from patients in terms of complaints about having the pump? There are so many positives that I usually have the the pleasure of dealing with once a person gets on a pump. But occasionally, people will say, I hate this, quote, tethering. I don't like having this extra thing on my belt or that I have to go to bed with it and I have to have it on. How can I take it off? And you really, truly can take it off, but usually for only, you know, showering or hot tubbing or you can take it off, but you do have to learn how to accept the fact that it's still, at this point in history of pumping insulin, it's still an external device. So it sounds like you can only have it off for, what, half an hour, an hour or so at the most? Really, that's about it, half an hour to an hour. 
then you really need to hook back up and uh, possibly even make up for lost amount of basal rate insulin. So logistically, uh, where do you put this thing? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you do have to put the um, cannula in underneath the tissue in the subcutaneous tissue space. And anywhere on the body that using a syringe, you can put the cannula in. Commonly, it's in the abdominal area. But it can be in the thighs and the upper buttocks and the upper arms. So thank goodness we have a lot of skin on our bodies and there are lots of options. And then with the actual pump, commonly people will just put it on their belt like they would their cell phone or their beeper. And it's about that size, right? About the size of a beeper? It is. But what if you're, you know, if you're going jogging or you're in a bathing suit or something like that, where do you put it then? I know. Well, a lot of people will go ahead and um, they will have a way to clip it onto their jogging gear. And I have pumpers that are marathon runners. And uh, I have one, one gentleman who is a, an Ironman athlete. And so he is doing the full range of physical endurance. And uh, he did choose a pump that is uh, waterproof. And so he, he can plow through anything that is out there. And he uh, will characteristically put it on something like a backpack that's just right on the back part of his body. And there it sits without getting all uh, sweaty. Hmm. Now, what do you find from physicians? What are our most common complaints about the pump, if, if any? Well, it can be that sometimes people that use an insulin pump, they're very self-sufficient type of people. And if they are not um, fully engaged in their medical care, like routine visits to their doctor or routine visits to their diabetes educator, they can sometimes run into problems with what's called ketoacidosis because insulin delivery is via a rapid-acting insulin And so if they're not minding their P's and Q's, they can get into trouble with extremely high blood sugar levels and wind up in the emergency room. Mm -hmm. So they become a little too independent. Yeah, becoming a little too independent with that insulin pump. If you're just joining the discussion, you're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, and with me today is certified diabetes educator Sue Iwasa. We are discussing insulin pumps. Uh, In the time we have left, Sue, why don't you just give us your top tips for successful pump use? Okay, top tips. Once a person decides to get an insulin pump, at um, places like a diabetes center, they usually have like a free introduction to insulin pump therapy, and they need to be educated and make sure that they are 
fully informed and understand all the different self-management rules, shall we say, of playing the game of insulin delivery with an insulin pump. And as a diabetes educator, of course, that would be primarily the number one hot tip is to physicians to get them into a diabetes education program so that they have the information they need to be absolutely successful. Okay, so education, as in most things, is the most important. I'd like to thank our guest today, Sue Iwasa. We have been discussing insulin pumps. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to our special series, Focus on Diabetes, here on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Thank you for listening. 